I'm not crazy. I know that makes me sound crazy to open up with my first journal entry with a line like that, but it's true. I'm not crazy. Although my therapist might beg to differ. I guess this really isn't going to win you over and convince you that I'm not, well, crazy. But I'm not. Well, at least not toys in the attic, bats in the belfry crazy. But still, I need to say it. I'm not crazy. It's just a little reaffirmation to make myself feel better. I think maybe explaining why I came to need a psychiatrist who would propose an idea like writing out my thoughts would make the most amount of sense. Everything started back with a break-in. Luckily, no one was home. It was our family tradition to catch a movie on Saturday afternoons. To be honest, I have a hard time recalling what the movie was about, but it was some animated film about a boy with magical powers fighting against the Moon Emperor. The kids saw it as a kiddie film, but slowly changed their minds midway through once the action picked up. The missus always tells me that I should stop treating them like children, but I'm not ready to do that, to just give up their childhood. Anyway, we made it home from the AMC to find that the front door was kicked in. I had my family stay in the car and get on the phone with the police while I investigated. I opened up the garage and took the closest thing that I could find that was a weapon, which turned out to be a Mondo bat. I silently cursed the fact that we didn't have any actual bats after the t-ball incident a few years ago preface a few years ago jason tried to get tommy to hold a ball in the palm of his hand for him to tee off with one trip to the emergency room to get his luckily unbroken hand iced the real bats were taken off the toy list i hefted the plastic toy and prayed silently the fact that we had painted it black just to give the appearance that it was an actual bat hoping that this would be enough to discourage any intruder as I searched for the house. The kitchen looked like a tornado had rolled through it. They had swept the items off the shelves and onto the floor. A bag of flour had burst and they tracked it all through the kitchen. I followed the white powder boot marks up the stairs towards our room. My fingers were wrapped so tightly around the bat now that my knuckles were white. The door to our room was wide open. I stepped inside and saw all of our clothes had been pulled out of the dresser and littered the floor. My billfold was still resting on top of the dresser. I peeked in the closet, half expecting to see an intruder in the shadows and covered in flour with a sinister smirk across his face. There was no one there. I cleared the room and continued to follow the flower trail. The tracks were fading now, as most of the powder was coming off of their blueprints, but I can still see the direction they were heading in. They were leading towards the kids' room. By now my heart was pounding like crazy, I was sweating bullets. My mind imagined the worst case scenario as I slowly approached their room. 
I imagine opening the door and finding an old white man wearing my wife's panties touching himself while looking at photos of my boys. I shoved the door open, almost driven into a blind rage by this dark thought, and charged into the room. Once inside, I was confronted with nothing. Toys and magazines littered the floor, but I couldn't tell if this was the work of the invader or the byproduct of having preteen sons. It was about that time that I heard the police arrive. I dropped a painted plastic bag and went out to greet them. They chided me for searching the home on my own, but quickly segued into a rundown of the situation. I told them everything I'd observed and let them search through the house while I tried to comfort my wife and kids. The police investigated the crime scene for about 15 minutes, but other than that, they weren't much help. They theorized that it was a simple smash and grab due to the footprints on the front door and how everything was hastily searched through. They questioned the neighbors, but of course the homeowners association had insisted on privacy hedges between all the houses so that no one really saw a thing. They took down our information and left about an hour later when it was obvious that the corporal had fled. They told us that they had collected evidence, taken photographs, as well as statements, and they promised to get back in touch with us when more evidence was uncovered. But we didn't hear anything back from them. I would have written everything off if not for a few things. The main problem was that I couldn't find anything missing. I even noticed that the billfold I had left with money in it on the dresser was untouched. We also checked our medicine cabinets and found nothing missing. Jewelry was left where it was, and other than a peace of mind, it seemed like they had taken nothing. After a week of waiting, I called the police and asked them about any progress they may have had on my case. They reasoned that the person was probably a first-time offender and was in a hurry. They explained that he probably saw that no one was home and made a split decision to break in. He probably frantically searched the house, but was so anxious about not getting caught that he fled as soon as he saw that there was nothing of value out in the open. Their explanation worked for me for a while, but eventually the inconsistency started to bleed through. There were some things that just didn't make sense to me. Why would someone go for the pantry first? I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm no burglar, but targeting the pantry and stealing food doesn't seem like a very profitable plan. If it was a simple smash and grab, why didn't he take the billfold? There must have been a, a hundred bucks or so in it. Why would they wreck the place and take nothing? What was this person doing? I think this, in combination with the stress at work and home, was enough to push me over the edge. It started with a few sleepless nights. Anna, Jason, and Tommy went spent the first nights in a motel to try and help the kids come to terms with what was happening while I opted to clean up the house in preparation for their return. 
Given that the police had collected all the evidence and taken pictures, I felt justified in trying to restore the disheveled house somewhat. I put everything that was salvageable back on its shelves and in the drawers, vacuumed the floors and called maintenance in regards to replacing the door and changing the locks. While I was doing all of this, I took a few photos of my own just in case the homeowner's insurance would balk at the idea of actually refunding us. I got very little sleep that night as I was busy cleaning up the mess and trying to remove any trace of the burglar's existence for my kids. I was unable to sleep due to the stress of managing a locksmith, a repairman, and a cleaning service for anything that may have been missed. Anna and the kids went to an amusement park that Sunday while I juggled all of these things. Jason and Tommy were seemingly unfazed by the event and went to bed without many issues. At least, any that I could see. On the other hand, I couldn't sleep. I was tired, but still on edge. Every creak and groan of the house was setting off alarm bells. Anna managed to fall asleep, but my constant getting up and checking everything probably woke her a few times. It wasn't until the third sleepless night that Anna suggested that I need to go see someone. At first I tried to explain that I was doing fine, but she persisted. It wasn't until she showed me my baggy eyes and tired face and sullen expression in the mirror that I relented. I didn't want to worry my kids any more than I already had. This is how I first came to meet my psychiatrist. We had a few sessions. It's also while I'm writing all of these thoughts down. We talked about everything that was going on with me, and she advised putting everything into words. At our first session, she said that I have a tendency to compartmentalize these things and that I needed some sort of outlet. I guess that's why you're holding this in your hands now. I also enjoyed writing and found it to be quite relaxing in such a way that it allows me to deal with everything. I'll probably spend more time writing out most of my thoughts while I have some time at work. After hearing about my ordeal in the break-in, my boss even gave me a few days off to get my act together and repair my house. With that lengthy setting of the stage, I think I'm finally ready to come to terms with everything and record my progress. Wednesday, August 17th, 2006. Went back to work today. Besides the initial awkwardness where people were trying to get the full story about my absence, I was able to take my mind off of everything for a little bit. While I could never make a career out of my writing, I did the next best thing. I found working at an advertising agency pushes me to be a little creative and use my brain. I slept a little better today. I'm not getting full night's sleep, but I did manage to drift off a few times. Saturday, August 20th, 2006. It's hard to believe that it's been a week since my break-in. The second session with my psychiatrist went well. I told her that I had taken to keeping a journal as per her suggestion, and she seemed to encourage the idea. 
I asked if she wanted to read any of it, and she told me that it was best to keep it personal, so I wouldn't feel pressured to put on a strong front. I mentioned to her that I sometimes still think about the incident, and she said that was normal. She said it's a normal coping mechanism to remember and try to come to terms with the trauma. I asked her to write me a note saying that I was normal for my wife to read, and we both laughed it off. Life at home is back to normal, somewhat. The kids are running around and Anna is busy cooking up some spaghetti and meatballs right now as we speak. We didn't go to the movies on the count of my therapy sessions, but there really isn't much playing right now that would probably be suitable for children anyway. Thursday, August 25th, 2016. Work was a bit of a pain today. We have an upcoming project that needs to be cleared by Friday and everyone is running around trying to make ends meet. It's my job to get the ads properly formatted and set up. I must have spent an hour trying to make everything look perfect before I accidentally closed out the program and all of my hard work. I swore up a storm and had to stay a little bit extra while I redid all of my work so that we would meet the deadline. Saturday, August 27th, 2016. I didn't sleep too well last night. That being said, I am not in a good mood. Wanna know why? The sessions ended today. The doctor told me that I was good to go. I was a little worried about my fitful night last night, but she explained it away as saying something along the lines of, you're becoming healthy, that's all. You'll be healthier still this time tomorrow. I think you're on the right course here. And while I love to keep charging you for a low stress chat, I don't want to add any more stress to your bank account. You're going to be fine. Just keep on the road to recovery. I left the office feeling better than I had since this whole craziness started. I've decided to keep on writing for a bit to chronicle my progress. I want to look back on this in a few weeks and reflect about how far I've come. Since it was the last day of my session, I couldn't get to the movies again today. Anna had some quality bonding time with the boys. I asked them what they saw, but they just shared a look and said it was a secret. I can't wait to get back into our weekly movie tradition and return to some form of normalcy with my family. To be honest, that little side glance and knowing smile that they shared made me feel like I was being left out. Sunday, August 28th, 2016. I'm willing to bet that they saw a horror movie. Tommy was up all night last night with nightmares. Of course, Anna slept right through it and I had to sit by his bedside while he asked questions. I brought it up today and she had this guilty look on her face. Anna's always on me saying that I can be a bit overbearing and I understand. I just don't want them to have the same relationship that I had with my dad. I want them to look back on their childhood and remember the time that I spent with them as fond memories. Hopefully that's the end.
of late nights. Tuesday, August 30th, 2016. Work continues to be a bitch. Compound that with Tommy's frequent nightmares and you have the recipe for a bad time. I woke up Anna to deal with it for the first time, but I had to go in the second time when he started calling for me. Anna had forgotten to close the door. Tommy could never sleep with the door open after watching an old episode of Goosebumps where the kids were visited by the grandparents who found that they had imprisoned a monster in one of their closets. The nightlight helped a little bit, but the closet always had to be kept closed if he was to get any sleep. As I was tucking him back in, he asked me an odd question. Why would someone break into our house? I was taken a bit back as he really hadn't brought it up since the initial excitement wore off, but I tried to answer as best I could. I explained that he was probably looking for money when he saw that we didn't have any, he left. Tommy asked if he was gone for good, and I said that he was. I also promised him that if he did return, I would spank his butt and send him running home. That got a little bit of a smile out of him, and I managed to get him back in bed by about 4 a.m. I got back in bed shortly afterwards, but I wasn't able to drift off again. Of course, that got me thinking about the break-in again. And as I wasn't getting back to sleep that night, I decided to scroll through the photos I took. Staring at the photos, I noticed something new that I hadn't seen the first night. In the photo I took with the flower, there was something odd. It looked like the person had intentionally knocked over the bag and deliberately stepped in the one foot wide spill with both feet. If he was in such a hurry, why would he do that? It didn't make much sense and got me thinking. Saturday, September 3rd, 2006. Three weeks since the smash and grab. I had another rough night last night. On the plus side, Tommy's nightmares seemed to have passed. On the downside, I was dealing with a bit of a head cold and I couldn't get to sleep. I opted to stay in while Anna took the kids to another movie. This time I insisted that it had to be PG-13. I know it isn't really healthy to dwell this much, but the more I think about it, the more inconsistencies I'm noticing. The burglar had to have known that we would have been out on our movie night. I didn't recall seeing anyone outside the house when we had left that day, so that means he had likely known that we were going to be out at a certain time. How did he get to know our pattern? How long did he watch our house? Maybe if I dig into it a little bit more, maybe if I dig into it a little bit more, I can make sense of everything. Sunday, September 4th, 2016. 22 days since the break-in. Still having trouble sleeping, I told Anna that it's just stress from work and I think she believes me. She knows how frustrating it can be at work sometimes. A company could start up a project for an ad and turn it down after weeks of work 
and make everyone start all over again. I decided to walk around rather than keep her up with my tossing and turning. I carefully walked around the house while flipping through my phone. It was while I was downstairs in the kitchen that I noticed something was wrong. The pantry door was open. Anna always closes the door before bed as we have had issues with rats in the past. I'll make a note of this here and bring it up with her in the morning. Monday, September 5th, 2016. 23 days since the home invasion. I don't think he left. I, I know that sounds crazy, but hear me out. Anne said that she remembered closing the pantry door before bed. And this morning, one of my cereal boxes was almost empty. I poured out the Fruit Loop dust into my bowl and asked if anyone had had any recently. No one copped to it. I told myself that it was my mind playing tricks on me, but tonight another piece was added to the already growing pile of evidence. I was walking around the house as now part of my new daily routine now, when I had decided to check on the kids. I cracked the door open and looked into the room. The first thing that I had noticed was that the room was cold. It was like 10 degrees colder than the rest of the house. I opened up the door and spotted the issue right away. The window was wide open. On top of that, the closet was fully ajar. I know it shouldn't have, but I had to know. I woke Tommy up as well as Jason and asked them if they had left the window open. Through groggy eyes, they told me that neither of them had done that. I pressed the issue more and said that I wouldn't be mad if one of them had, but they both said that they hadn't done it. I grilled Jason and Tommy for a few more minutes, then I realized I was scaring them. I told them to go back to bed and to forget this. They looked at me weird, but decided to follow my directions. I took a peek into the closet before I had left and saw nothing but darkness. I closed it and then I went to the window before leaving their room. I didn't sleep at all. It feels like I haven't slept in so long. Tuesday, September 6, 2016. Now that I look closer, all the signs are there. I was an idiot to overlook them. The missing food just brought everything back to my attention. The person broke in and tried to stage it to look like a smashing grab, but the truth is they never left. They're somewhere in the house. I see that now. Now I'm noticing things that I've never noticed before. Things have been moved around. It's all small stuff like the chair being pulled out at the table or kitchen utensils being put in the wrong drawers. They're small things you wouldn't really register until you really thought about them. The more I looked at the photos, the more the signs of them I see. They likely walked through the flower, said that we would be able to track their movements and search the whole house. They had hidden so cleverly that we couldn't find them. And since we and the police had fully searched the house, they assumed that we would feel safe thinking that they had left. I checked the crawl space 
and the attic under the pretense of getting ready for Halloween. I didn't see any sign of him, but I expected as much. This person is clever and cautious. He wouldn't slip up. I can't let my wife or the boys know that someone may still be in the house with us. I have to protect them from this. Who's to say that this person doesn't have any way of listening to us? If he knows I'm going to the police, what's to stop him from snapping and murdering us all? He may decide that he's tired of sneaking around and kill us all to evade capture. I have to be cautious here. I have to outthink him. I need to catch him in the act or find some way to drive him out of the house. Anne caught me looking at the photos again, but I told her that I was trying to figure out how to delete them. She offered to show me and I jerked the phone away from her. I think she assumes it's me trying to protect my pride and that's a better excuse than anything I could ever come up with. Don't you think I know how absurd all of this sounds? But it's possible. Someone managed to evade detection for a year while living in the Japanese man's apartment. And you can't forget one in North Carolina where the guy sweet talked his way into the house and lived there for five days while sexually assaulting the girl who invited him in. It makes me sick knowing that this fucker could potentially still be somewhere in the house and come out when no one is home or no one is awake to eat and do God knows what else. Friday, September 9th, 2016. I had a bit of a blow up at work. I had taken the past two days off to keep an eye on things at the home and when I was called into work today, I was told rather harshly that I either needed to come in or turn in my resignation. I set up my webcam to try to keep an eye on things while I was out and went to work. My boss stopped by my office shortly after I arrived and told me that I needed to be taking things a bit more seriously as we had just been commissioned for another project and he needed my head in the game. I couldn't help it. I snapped and told him to mind his own business. I told him that it was hard to stay focused when I had my own problems at home. He looked shocked for a few seconds before turning around and walking away. He didn't make eye contact with me for the rest of the day. I drove home in silence, wondering if I was going to get a phone call over the weekend telling me that I was being terminated. As soon as I got home, I checked the crawl space and the attic again. I stared into the darkness for a few minutes, terrified that my eyes would adjust to the darkness and reveal someone looking at me from their hiding spot. I saw nothing. Anne asked me what was I doing and I told her I was just looking around. She didn't press the issue, but I can tell that she's getting worried. I have to take care of this quickly before I alienate my family anymore. Sunday, September 11th. 2016. 26 days spent with this stranger in my house. Still no call from my boss, but I have a bigger fish to fry at the moment. I think the intruder is on to me. It's like I can feel him watching me everywhere I go. I don't know if he's looking at me from the closets, the vents, or from behind the sofa or chairs or wherever, but I can feel his eyes on me. 
Maybe he turned my webcam against me and using it to remotely monitor me. That would explain why I don't see any signs of the intruder. Maybe he's erasing the video or copy-pasting old videos to make it seem like there's no one. But I know that can't be right. He's here. Somehow, he discovered my suspicions and is keeping an eye on me. Anything is possible. All I know is that he's focused on me. All this weekend, I've had his eyes burning into me, constantly making me look over my shoulders. As I showered on Saturday, it was like he was standing right outside the shower curtain. And Jason and Tommy went to the movies again without me that day. I think they know something's wrong. They caught me wandering the house, randomly opening the doors and the pantries and the closets. They didn't even ask me if I wanted to go to the movies with them. They just left. They stayed out late and had dinner, which allowed me to search the house more thoroughly. I have to catch this bastard in the act and get rid of him before he can get rid of us. I woke up this morning feeling his eyes on me from the closet. I sprung out of bed and wrenched open the doors. There was nothing there, of course. He must have some means of slipping out that leaves no detectable mark on the wall. Anne was so startled that day that she started to cry. She kept saying things about how I needed to get help, how I needed to get some sleep, how I needed to start acting like myself again for the sake of her and the kids. I can't listen to her now. Not that I'm so close to getting him. He's going to slip up sooner or later, and I'm going to cave in this bastard's head for all the trauma stress that he's putting me and my family through. Tuesday, September 12th, 2016. 27 days since this stranger is in my house. I got sent home from work today. I guess sitting at my desk and thumbing through photos of the house for hours wasn't the best choice. A security guard had walked me out of the building and to my car. He watched me drive off, shaking his head at me all the while. It doesn't matter. It feels like I haven't slept in over a week. I look, feel, and smell like shit. It doesn't matter. I heard my wife crying on the phone today with her mom. She was speaking in hushed words, but I heard her. She wants to take the kids to their house after school on Friday to get out of this house. It doesn't matter. I can feel his eyes on me, no matter where I am in this house. I proved it by stalking around the house, feeling those eyes burning into me. The entire time, I could feel Anne, Jason, and Tommy watching me warily. It doesn't matter. All that matters is finding this sadistic monster and ending his life. No police. No prisons. There were too many options for him to get out, for him to continue to watch me, for him to worm his way back into our lives. As long as I keep moving and checking spots as random as possible, I'm sure I'll catch him off guard. I won't sleep until I find this bastard. Thursday, September 15th, 
2016. He's in the walls. I don't know how this fucker's doing it, but that's the only reasonable explanation why I can't find him. There must be enough space to squeeze through and traverse the entire house using closets as entrances and exits. I could have sworn I heard him laugh at me from behind one of the walls as I passed by it. I'm ending this now. I'll tear down the entire goddamn house if I have to. No one threatens me or my family. Saturday, September 17th, 2016. 32 days. Two days of Valium and Thorazine later and I realized that maybe taking a hammer to the walls of my house and screaming like a maniac was probably not the best idea. The police were called and responded fairly quickly. Unfortunately, they were a bit too late to stop me from scaring the hell out of my wife and traumatizing our kids. I think for as long as I live, I'll hear Anne screaming at Tommy and Jason to hide in their rooms. She, of course, tried to stop me from entering their rooms with a hammer, but it was too late for me to listen to reason. I had to make sure that he wasn't hiding behind their walls. In the haze of my delirium, I remember shoving her out of the way and seeing my kids shriek and running from me. I think that memory is going to stick with me till the end of my life. Paranoid schizophrenia or bipolar disorder that was latent, but triggered by stress, that's their current prognosis. They said that they needed a few more sessions to provide me with a proper evaluation. They have all the time in the world as I don't think I'll be leaving here anytime soon. As I asked if I could keep writing my thoughts down, they tell me that I should be sharing those feelings with them rather than hiding them away in a journal. I think the only reason why they're letting me write this last entry is so that they can look through it themselves and try to figure out what the hell went wrong. The psychiatrist says that with a steady medical regimen, healthy diet, and a relatively low stress environment, I may be able to lead a normal life. I ask if she thinks I can convince my family to return home with me. She says that it's possible as long as I am serious about my rehabilitation and treatment. She's lying. I don't feel much like writing anymore. I just had my last scheduled dose of value for the day and it makes me tired. There's a stranger in my house. I can't deny that. I just didn't realize who the stranger was. I drove my own family away. I single-handedly managed to alienate my wife and thoroughly traumatize my kids in the space of a month with my insanity. I tried to protect my kids from everything and then expose them to the worst danger imaginable, an unhinged father. In the end, I guess I was worse than my father. He only ended up being a deadbeat. I became something much worse, much more frightening to them. We should have been at the movies today as per our tradition, watching something, anything, laughing and talking about the movie on our way back to the car. 
Instead, I'm here. And they're gone. Likely for good. In the few days of clarity, haze, that my treatment had given me, I've come to these conclusions. The intruder stepping the flower with both feet was likely due to him trying to sidestep the open pantry door, which put them right in the path on top of the small spill. The open pantry door that night was likely from the kids grabbing a midnight snack of Fruit Loops and forgetting to close the door afterwards. The cracked open door in the kids' room was probably one of them airing out the room and not wanting to cop to it when their half-crazed father woke them up in the middle of the night demanding to know who had done it. The closet door being open was a boy finally overcoming his fears. My family's fears wasn't them seeing what I was feeling. It was them realizing that I was going off the deep end. They were scared of seeing me and what I was doing, wandering in the house at all hours of the day, endlessly staring at photos and frantically searching every corner of the house. All of these things can be so easily explained. Yet, a part of me knows that I'm crazy. It's the part of me that can clearly see my children's horrified face as I took a hammer to our walls to expose an intruder who never existed. That's the part of me I try to listen to. It's also the part of me that I have the hardest time agreeing with in the dark of night. It's because I can vividly recall the scene of being led away by the police. After being tasered and zip-tied, I was a ranting and raving mess at the time, screaming and shrieking about the walls and what was lurking behind them. It wasn't until I was put into the car that I saw it. It was in the second story window. I saw it for a second, but I know it was there. That face watching me through the window with a wide grin. I was right. It was right in the lower pane as if they were crouched down and observing the scene with some form of sick satisfaction. It had to be there, didn't it? I mean, have you ever felt like you weren't alone in the house? Maybe it's nothing.
Ha, 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 ha,